Why is it so important, so crucial even, that we refrain from passing judgment on our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ? There are actually two reasons, and we're going to talk about that today on BibleStudyPodcasts.org, starting now. Hello, everybody, and welcome once again. You are listening to BibleStudyPodcasts.org. Today is Monday, August the 29th of 2011, and as always, I'm your host, Toby Logsdon. Thank you so much for downloading this podcast today. We hope that you're blessed by it. Uh, we're going to be covering our next uh, passage here in the book of Romans. If you have your Bibles available with you, uh, turn to Romans chapter 14. We're going to be covering verses uh, 14 and 15 today, uh, but before we get started, just wanted to welcome you guys and, and thank you again for downloading uh, this message. Um, had kind of a neat experience that I wanted to talk to you guys about or share with you guys, uh, and that is um, that this, uh, not yesterday, but last Sunday, uh, we actually had a visitor here at our church, somebody who has been listening to BibleStudyPodcasts.org since uh, since 2007. Uh, this guy is from Texas, and, uh, you know, I've got uh, some emails and you know correspondence from him dating back to uh, yeah 2007 and and it was really cool he just happened to be um, up in the area you know like I said he's he's from Texas but uh, he, he and his wife have family up in the Pacific Northwest region and so I got an email from him asking if it would be okay if they came to church last Sunday and I thought man that'd be really cool uh, so I got to have lunch. Um, with this guy and his family and, uh, you know, with my family. And it was a, a really, really great experience. You know, if you guys are ever up in the Seattle area, you know, definitely feel free to uh, to stop by. I love meeting you guys. This was actually the second time I've uh, had the privilege of, of meeting a listener. The first one was a guy who started listening to me when he was stationed in Iraq. Now, that was kind of cool. You know, he was listening to us from the other side of the planet, and uh, then he was uh, brought back here to the Seattle area and came up for, for church one Sunday. So, yeah, if you guys are ever in the area, it is really cool to sit down and actually meet people who uh, who listen to our podcasts. So, anyway, that was a, a blessing for me, a tremendous blessing for me, and I just wanted to share that with you guys. But I hope you guys are doing well. We're actually uh, not back to school yet here. Our kids go back to school next week, I believe Wednesday, maybe Thursday, is uh, is their first day, so they've still got a little bit of summer break left, and we've actually had a little bit of summer weather. We've been hitting the uh, low to mid eighties. Can I call that summer weather? <laughs> the fun thing is, though, I'm I'm getting to harvest all these things that I had planted. Um, you know, I've I've started gardening. Uh, we've got you know uh, a little raised garden bed in the backyard, and uh, so I I planted some squash and zucchini and. Japanese cucumbers and lemon cucumbers and all that stuff is finally coming to harvest and man is it fun uh, I've never really been much of a gardener uh, not not really a whole lot but um, yeah it's, it's a lot of fun I'm, I've really been enjoying it we've also got uh, literally thousands and thousands of blackberries blackberries grow like weeds up here 
no kidding. I mean, people really want to get rid of them. They actually don't like having blackberries, but we've got several thousand uh, on the church property. And so uh, this seems like the closest thing to heaven to me. Wow. Having all these fresh uh, blackberries right off the bush every day. What a treat. But anyway, let's go ahead and get started today with our lesson uh, with a quick word of prayer. God, we just thank you that you've taken us this far in our study. God, I pray that you would teach us today to live by grace, to demonstrate grace with one another because of the grace that you've shown us. We love you. We dedicate this time to you and to knowing you better. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as we begin this lesson, let's just once again be reminded of the fact that Paul is addressing an important and yet what happens to be a very troublesome issue that just about every single follower of Jesus is bound to face eventually, and that is matters in which there is personal liberty. Now, many of you may have been drawn to the teachings that we offer here on BibleStudyPodcasts.org because of the apologetics that we, uh, that we often teach. Not only have I been striving from the beginning of this study of Romans uh, to incorporate apologetics into our lessons as much as I possibly can, but we also used to have weekly lessons dealing strictly with apologetics issues. Apologetics can be a great great, powerful tool when addressing issues that are black and white. And there are a lot of issues that are black and white, especially when it comes to the essentials of Christianity. And I've always tended to be the type of person who sees everything as black and white, if I'm being perfectly honest with you guys. And uh, I'm not very proud of that fact, let me just say that much. But that's what the the logical formulas and, and syllogisms that we use in apologetics help us to do. It helps us to distinguish you know, black and white. Apologetics was very useful, especially for the first eight chapters of Romans, because Paul was dealing almost entirely with issues with which there was no gray area. And that was primarily doctrinal material, where there's no room for personal preference or opinion in areas like that. Either they're true for everyone, or they're true for no one. They're black and white. Now, as we've moved into the 14th chapter, however, we see that living out our faith isn't nearly as easily categorized. In fact, we've seen that there are a lot of gray areas when it comes to things like dietary restrictions, uh, religious ceremonialism, and personal convictions pertaining to things like what we wear, what type of music we listen to, and even whether it's okay to drink alcohol or smoke cigarettes or not. In the previous lesson, we saw that learning to live and walk by grace is something that can be very challenging for even the most mature followers of Jesus. See, there are times when the line between legalism and licentiousness is just razor, razor thin. How are we supposed to find that balancing point between legalism and licentiousness? You know, Paul's already started answering that question. In the previous lesson, we saw that he encouraged both the weak and the strong Christian alike to vow not to trip or trap the other. In other words, if our actions or our attitudes lead a fellow brother or sister in Christ to sin, well, or if there's a good reason to think that it possibly would, then it's something that we should refrain from, even when we have the liberty to follow our own convictions. 
We've also been told not to judge one another because we're all going to stand before Jesus one day and give an account for our lives. And we're going to see today why it's so important from a practical perspective that we refrain from judging or passing judgment on one another. Instead of being quick to pass judgment on another believer, we should be quick to pass judgment on ourselves and slow to pass judgment on others. We have to allow a person to follow the convictions that the Holy Spirit has given them. That doesn't mean that we approve when they sin or that we condone their actions when they sin. Rather, it means that when they do sin, and we all do sin, it means that when they sin, we continue to love that person. We pray for that person, and we continue to live our own lives in a way that will draw that person closer in their walk with Jesus. In other words, we should love the sinner but hate the sin. Now, Loving the sinner and hating the sin might seem like a really difficult thing to do, right? I mean, sometimes uh, we we accidentally carry it over, you know, the the hate that we have for the sin, uh, we extend to the sinner. It's easy enough to do. However, again, we have to be reminded that we should be quick to judge ourselves and yet slow to judge others because every single day, friends, we find ourselves hating the sins that we love, right? And yet, we've never hated ourselves. This attitude of hating what we love and loving what we know we're supposed to hate is an attitude that God has instructed us to have not only toward our own sins, but toward our brothers and sisters in Christ as well. Love the sinner, hate the sin. Just like you sin, but you continue to love yourself even though you hate that sin. Have that attitude toward other believers. Now, there are two reasons why we should be quick to judge ourselves and to avoid passing judgment on others. So listen to what Paul writes next. Here in Romans chapter 14, verse 14, he writes, I know and am convinced in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself, but to him who thinks anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. So, what is something that's unclean? Well, this is a term that the Jews were particularly sensitive to. The law of Moses rendered many things ceremonially unclean, right? Lepers, for example, were considered off-limits for any type of contact because they were unclean. In fact, the word unclean appears in the Old Testament a total of 184 times, and that's in 147 verses. One of the principles of unclean things, however, that we'll we'll catch when we look at the law, is that the person who even touches something that's unclean would themselves become ceremonially unclean. And so the Jews took this word unclean very very seriously. And when we reach the book of Acts, we see that even several chapters into the book, the apostles are still trying to be ceremonially clean. They're still living according to the law of Moses, trying to remain ceremonially clean, refraining from anything that was considered ceremonially unclean. And when we reach the 10th chapter of Acts, here we find Peter on the top of a house where he's spending time praying. And as we read, we see that Peter goes into a trance, during which time he's given a vision from the Lord. And here we read, And he saw the sky opened up, and an object like a great sheet coming down, lowered by four corners to the ground, and there were in it all kinds of four-footed animals and crawling creatures of the earth and birds of the air. A voice came to him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. That's from Acts chapter 10, verses 11 to 13. 
Now, we should immediately realize that Peter had to be in utter shock when he saw these four-footed animals, all kinds of four-footed animals, crawling creatures of the earth and birds of the air, because these were all things that the law of Moses strictly forbade, as those things were unclean according to the law. And it's really actually interesting, on kind of a side note here, to remember what Paul had written earlier in his letter to the Romans. Back in uh, the first chapter, Paul wrote, quote, professing to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man and of birds and of four-footed animals and crawling creatures. That's from Romans chapter 1 verses 22 and 23. See, these are the very things that Peter is being shown and instructed to kill and eat, things that he never would have even thought about touching since they would have rendered Peter himself unclean. Now listen to what we read next here in the book of Acts. But Peter said, by no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything unholy and unclean. That's Acts chapter 10, verse 14. Now it's interesting to uh, to see that Peter recognizes that he's being addressed by the Lord. He's being addressed by the Lord Jesus himself. And his response is to refuse to comply with what he's just been instructed or commanded to do. So we continue reading, again, a voice came to him a second time, what God has cleansed, no longer consider unholy. That's Acts chapter 10, verse 15. Now, before we go any further, we have to recognize the context of this passage. Um, A Gentile named Cornelius has just been told by an angel from God at the beginning of chapter 10 to go and find Peter. And so Cornelius has sent his men to find Peter. And as Peter's vision comes to an end, lo and behold, the men who had just been sent by Cornelius to find Peter are arriving on the scene. You see, this passage, this this vision that Peter was given, doesn't have as much to do with clean or unclean food as it does with people who were deemed by the Jews to be unclean. You'll remember that Jesus told the disciples who would become the apostles uh, back in the first chapter of Acts that they were to take the gospel message into all of the world. And yet, and yet, come chapter 10, They've been completely disobedient to what Jesus had told them to do. They haven't gone into the nations. In fact, they haven't even gone beyond Jerusalem. Why? Because the Gentiles were unclean. They did unclean things. They ate unclean things. And the apostles, Peter included, the apostles didn't want to go near those people because by doing so, they risked making themselves unclean in accordance with the law. So grace negates the requirements of the law. And the real principle here is that if God has made anything clean, that thing or that person is clean. If Peter would have considered the Gentile servants of Cornelius to be unclean, he would have been bringing down judgment of uncleanliness upon himself because he would have been interacting with them. As Ray Stedman noted, quote, the conscience needs to be trained by this new insight into liberty, end quote. See, if someone thinks that something is unclean, fine, it's unclean for them. But if someone doesn't think that it's unclean, it's not unclean for them. Have you ever watched someone walk a tightrope? There are people out there who have just mastered the art of walking a tightrope, and they seem to be totally unaware of the fact that if they fall, it'll mean certain death. For most people myself included, walking across a tightrope is an absolutely 
terrifying thought. In fact, the fear of falling will cause most people, just the fear alone, will cause most people to lose their balance. If you find a balance beam at uh, you know, a schoolyard or wherever, and as you're on it, try to imagine that you are 50 stories up in the air. Tests by psychologists have shown that most people are certain to at least start to lose their balance the more vividly they can imagine that they're 500 feet up off the ground, even when they're actually only 5 inches off the ground. And this is the same principle that Paul's giving us here. If someone can exercise their liberty a certain way without losing their spiritual balance, that's fine for them. For those who can't, they should refrain. But the person who can walk the tightrope shouldn't force others to walk it with them. And those who can't walk the spiritual tightrope shouldn't think any less of those who do. If you feel convicted about something, go ahead Follow your convictions, but don't expect everyone else to experience the same personal convictions. Because the moment that you impose your personal convictions on others, you've given a proverbial crutch to someone with perfectly healthy legs, so to speak. Paul's idea of living by grace starts with honoring the personal convictions of others whenever possible. And that brings us to the second reason that we should refrain from passing judgment on others. Listen to what Paul writes next here in Romans chapter 14, verse 15. He writes, quote, For if because of food your brother is hurt, you are no longer walking according to love. Do not destroy with your food him for whom Christ died. Now, again, Paul isn't just talking about food here. He's not just talking about dietary regulations or dietary restrictions. He's talking about any area of personal liberty. Food's just one of those areas. And with that in mind, we might paraphrase this as saying something like, uh, if you hurt your brother or sister in the Lord over some trivial, non-essential issue which relates to personal conviction, you are not loving that person the way that you've been commanded to by the Lord Jesus himself. On the night before his crucifixion, Jesus said that the world would know that we are followers of Jesus because why? Because of their love for one another. Because of our love for one another. So showing love for our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ is of primary importance. So the second reason to avoid passing judgment on others is that your judgment can actually cause damage to the relationship that you have with that person and or it can cause harm to the faith of that person. Loving your brother or sister in Christ is infinitely more important than imposing your own personal convictions on them. Your job is to love that person first and foremost. It's the job of the Holy Spirit to lead that person to and through their own personal convictions. Now, Paul uses some really strong language here. Do not destroy with your food him for whom Christ died. You want a black and white issue? Here it is. If you're going to risk destroying someone that Christ died for with your own personal convictions, back off. Don't do it. Just refrain. That, my friends, is as black and white as it gets. The question is, the question that you might have of this uh, of this instruction is, what does it mean to destroy them? Well, let's 
first eliminate a possibility. It doesn't mean that you'll destroy their faith in the sense that it'll just be gone. Their faith will be shattered and they'll walk away from the faith. It doesn't mean that you can cause a person to lose their salvation because salvation cannot be lost. To affirm that salvation can be lost is to deny that salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone. It's a gift that we didn't earn. A real conversion experience will never be reversed. We can be sure that Paul isn't talking about destroying the faith of another person, making them walk away from the faith, because the object of the verb to destroy here is him, not his faith. Now, the Greek word that Paul uses here for destroy uh, has a a few different ways that you can translate it. Uh, One of the ways that you can translate this word is to render useless. For example, in uh, Matthew chapter 9, verse 17, Jesus says, Nor do people put new wine into old wineskins, otherwise the wineskins burst, and the wine pours out, and the wineskins are ruined. Now, this word ruined is the same word that Paul uses here in our text in Romans. Something that is rendered useless is ruined. The principle here is that if we fail to respect or honor the personal convictions of a fellow brother or sister in Christ, you will run the risk of the possibility of rendering them useless. Maybe that means useless to yourself, useless to you, because they won't trust you enough to be there for you when you need them. Or maybe, maybe it means useless to the kingdom of God. Maybe you'll do so much emotional harm to them, their growth in Christ will be hindered to the point that they're not as effective in their ministry as they could or should have been. Maybe it means that they're less likely to enjoy their freedom in Christ and thus to grow in their freedom in Christ. Whatever the case, when you impose your own personal convictions on others, you will probably do more harm than you'll ever realize. You simply cannot force someone's conscience to conform to your own. So does this mean that we should never fully exercise and enjoy the freedom that we have in Christ? Because, you know, we don't want to risk having a negative effect on other followers of Jesus. Is that what this means? Well, absolutely not. It just means that we have to actively use discretion, use wisdom, choose the environment wisely, and protect your privacy. Be strong enough in your faith that you know when you should set your own liberty and your own personal convictions aside. Remember the proverb that tells us, a brother offended is harder to be won than a strong city. That's from Proverbs chapter 18, verse 19. Rather than offending a brother or sister in the Lord by imposing your own personal convictions, if they're doing something that you think is questionable, why not make it a teachable moment for both of you? Refusing to indulge in your own liberty, your own freedom, and allowing others to exercise and indulge their own personal freedoms are some of the clearest expressions imaginable of the love that we should have for one another. Exercise love and exercise prayer for your fellow Christ followers. And remember that Jesus died for them just as much as he died for you. A mature Christ follower doesn't flaunt their freedom and they don't destroy the freedom that others have. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you that you have set us free in Christ, that we are free from the obligation to sin, and Lord, we are free to grow in you, to walk with you, to learn from you, 
to become more and more like you, Lord. And we realize that everybody has a different pace that they grow at, Lord. I pray that you will continue to make us more and more like your son. We know that you are working all things for the good of those who love you, who belong to you. And so, God, we just pray that you would teach us to walk by grace, to show grace to others, to be quick to show grace, slow to show judgment, quick to judge ourselves, and slow to pass judgment on our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. We thank you that you have made us one with each other. We thank you, Lord, that you have made us one with you. God, I just pray that you would teach us to walk with you, to live by grace, and to love one another because you loved us and you called us out of darkness and into your marvelous light. God, we thank you so much for this time, and I pray that you will bless and protect this message for your own glory. In Jesus' name, amen. This message has been brought to you by BibleStudyPodcast.org. We are a listener-supported ministry. If this is your first time listening to us, we thank you so much for joining us, and we ask nothing further from you. But if this is a ministry that you rely on for regular spiritual teaching, we do depend on your financial support to keep us going and growing. If you'd like to make a donation to BibleStudyPodcast.org to keep us going and reaching thousands of people around the world, you can go to our website, BibleStudyPodcasts.org, and you can make a donation on the right-hand side by clicking on the support box. Again, we do rely on your support, and we thank you so much for your financial participation in this ministry, which enables us to continue in our mission of teaching timeless truths in these truthless times. God bless you. Thank you so much for listening today, and keep growing closer to Jesus. Jesus.